Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Carrie. For those of you that are new with us, I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited about what's going to happen today. We're in part four of our series called Falcons and Unicorns, and the heart behind this series has been how, how do we embrace our differences but celebrate our strengths, and it really plays into just about every relationship that you could possibly be in, whether you're married or dating or with interactions with coworkers or neighbors. How do we navigate through the challenging dynamics? How do we navigate through the stuff that becomes frustrating? And as we were planning, pardon me, and prepping for this series, Megan and I, my wife, uh, we just thought, you know what? We can't talk about a series on, on embracing our differences, celebrating our strengths and not tackle a topic that is literally polarizing our entire nation right now. We, we have to talk about race and diversity. We, we can't talk about embracing our differences, but, but not talk about what's happening in our nation right now. And, and more importantly, figure out what we as the movement church can do to be a part of the solution. And really that whole conversation began because about a year ago, if I can be candid and honest with you, about a year ago, we went to a conference and one of the speakers got up to, to begin to talk about uh, race issues and diversity issues and, and what's happening in our nation. And I took a deep breath. I was like, oh, great. I'm not a racist. I don't need a 45 minute message on this. I'm ashamed to share that with you, but I want to be honest because my hope is openness and what God can and wants to do in this place. And then as he began to speak, I felt the Holy Spirit convict me because of two things. Number one, I had some serious perspectives that needed to shift. And number two, I've been living and walking in ignorance. And once I know about it, I'm responsible for it. So I can either choose to keep the blinders on or, or I can step up to the table and have a conversation. And so that's what we're gonna do today. I've actually invited some of our, our friends to come and talk and we're gonna have a discussion about racism and diversity and the role that the church needs to play. And, and here's the challenge. Some, some of us are terrified of this conversation, if I'm honest, because maybe some of us just don't know what to say. We feel a little bit nervous. Maybe some of you already are like, a little cringy, and I'm okay with that. Because I think sometimes not knowing what to say pushes us into the corner of complete silence. And my friends, that is not the right step of action for us to take. So can we just give each other grace this morning? Grace that if we don't say the right thing, that it's okay, we're gonna forgive and navigate and walk through this. And let me also tell you another thing. This, this topic, this issue is challenging enough as it is. And in some areas, it's nightmarish. And we've only complicated it and made it more convoluted by adding to it politics. So what we're not gonna do is go down a political path today. We're gonna talk about some real issues and some real challenges and see what our part to play is. And really, Megan and I, we're just gonna listen. I found that, man, a lot happens when you just listen. I keep telling my wife that, but she's not listening. I'm kidding. Pray for me. 
But here's what I'm gonna do before we dive in. I'm just gonna pray. And I would ask that no matter your race, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your background, no matter where you're from, I'm gonna pray that for every single one of us in this room, we can just open our hearts to what God wants to do. Can we do that? For 30 minutes, as we step up to the dinner table and have a conversation about something that is extremely challenging in the world that we live in. You are wondering, why is there somebody walking on the stage right now? They're gonna set up a dinner table because we're gonna have a conversation. We're gonna eat and y'all are not. No, I'm kidding, we're not really going to. But I wanna pray. It's so funny, first service did it too. They're like, wait, I've got to watch and see what's happening. Is that a table? <gasps> and chairs, wow. While they're doing that, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God would open our hearts. Can we do that? Would you do me a favor? Just go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's just pray that God does something miraculous in and through us. God, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're doing what you want to do in this room. And so God, we invite you to take the reins. We give you permission to rearrange the proverbial furniture of our lives. And today, God, we remove our preconceived notions. We remove our prejudice. We remove all the limitations. We remove everything. And God, we just open our heart and our ears to hear and receive what it is that you wanna do in our lives. So God, we thank you that you are at work in a powerful way. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said... Amen. Would you welcome to the stage, my friends? I'm going to introduce them. Come on, like you've never clapped before, Movement Church. I've got some special friends. I'm going to introduce them to you in just a moment. I'm excited. This is our second service, and the, the, the first service was just so riveting. It was amazing. I'm excited about what God's going to do. And Megan, why don't you introduce today? Oh, they turned your mic off? This is like a dream come true. Thank you, team. I fixed it, I think. Thanks, team. Thanks, team. Hey, we're so excited to jump into a conversation, and we just invited a handful of our friends to, uh, to be here and to add to that convo today. And so I'm just going to take a moment and start introductions, but I think you should jump in as well. I will. Um, so Maribel down here right next to Pastor Kerry. How many of you love Maribel? Come on. Let's give her a hand. I love I loved in first service because Pastor Carrie was talking all about Maribel. She and her husband, Reuben, are part of our church here. They've got two adorable children. Um, her daughter has the best cheeks you've ever seen. I'm it's serious. Awesome. You just want to squeeze them. And, uh, but don't because that would be creepy. We, she may not know you. I'll just so. do it. Uh, but anyhow, Pastor Carrie introduces Maribel and says, and she's a stay-at-home mom. And she was like, excuse me, I am a domestic engineer. Oh. I was like, yes, you are. So I love that term. And, and she's just a powerful woman of God and has um, just an incredible Bible teacher and just passionate about building the church. So we're so excited that you're here. And then uh, this is Pastor Philip and Pastor Philip at Holly. Come on, you guys. No stranger to the movement church. Pastor Philip and Holly are some of our pastors. They serve on our board. Um, in fact, they are some of the few people that could fire Carrie and I, so um, we're going to be real nice to him today. When Megan's abusive, I call him, right. and he gets on to her, That's so right. it's helpful. But we just are so grateful for Pastor Philip and Holly because... Um, we wouldn't be where we are without their investment in our life. But what's beautiful, and, and Philip will share this in just a little bit, but what's beautiful about the church that they have built in the heart of Los Angeles, um, they have built that church. It's 30, you're 35 years old, 36? Philip, you're 35 years old? He that is, is, right? Man. He started when he was zero. It's and beautiful. been pastoring for 35 years. <laughs> That's right. But... But it's such an incredible church, and it is so diverse, and, yeah. and I love it. It's such a, just a beautiful picture of, 
of what the church should look like. And so um, he's going to speak a little bit about that later. But we're so honored that he's here and adding his voice to the conversation. And this is Jay Davis. Come and come on, give it up. We're so excited. Jay and his family, they um, have been here at the Movement Church for a little while. I don't know if you've gotten to know them yet, but um, we just had an incredible connection um, with their family, and it actually started because our daughter, Brooklyn, um, goes to school with both Justin and Jayla, their kids, and uh, Jayla and Brooklyn became great friends this year, and so we connected, really, um, because our kids were friends, and um, and it was so great. We, we went to dinner the other night, and just got into such an incredible conversation. He and his wife have been in ministry for a long time, um, pastored a great church in Orlando, and are now here in California. And, and so we're so honored to have his voice at the table as well and his experience, and I'm grateful that he's here. That's right. Come on, one more time. Would you give it up for our panel? So we're talking about the, the topic and the issue of racism and, and just... The, the challenges that surround that. And so we just wanted to get some insight from each of you. And Maribel, I'm going to start with you first. And maybe you could just share an instance. I know you had talked today about something more recently where you experienced some racism. Yes. So uh, my husband and I moved from Westminster out to South County around 2012. And um, our friends mostly are Hispanic, but we have a lot of diversity in our in our friendships. And I remember when they would visit us from LA or Las Vegas, they would ask us, like, do you guys feel weird being around a lot of white people? <laughs> and I said, well, They don't I'm... know if they should laugh at that or not. Yeah. They're, they're confused. They don't know what to do. take a deep breath. This is real conversations. And, uh, but I told them, I'm like, well, I'm white. I grew up with Saved by the Bell and Zach was my boyfriend, you know? <laughs> but. On the real, I didn't really think any of it because my parents really um, allowed diversity in our lives. But come a couple years ago with the political climate, I started hearing things and I experienced uh, something where I felt I was mistreated at the grocery store that I was going for years. And I actually believed what was being said. Wow. And I came to a, into agreement. And there's power in agreement, whether it's positive or negative. Wow. Wow. And I remember having a chip on my shoulder, mm. even looking at why is that person looking at me that way? And my whole mindset shifted. After that, I remember at the beginning of the year, I had a gathering in my home. I invited my girlfriends. We pulled fruits of the spirit. And whatever you pulled, that was your fruit for the whole year to work on it. And I got kindness. And in that instant, the Holy Spirit reminded me, you've forgotten how to be kind. Wow. Wow. And that was very uh, heartbreaking for me because I have been operating like this for years. And I didn't even know until that was revealed to me. Wow. Wow. I, I, I've said this earlier, but I appreciate your perspective so much, Maribel, because... Um, some of what you've experienced actually isn't right mm -hmm. and it's not fair. And so I, I do think we have to acknowledge that because you beautifully are taking ownership of your perspective here at the table. But um, some of what you experienced even in the grocery store right. and in a moment was real prejudice. It was real racism that you experienced. And, and because of what you experienced, that became the narrative for right. you. And, and I, I just appreciate your perspective in yeah. saying that you worked on what only you could work on because you couldn't change people 
but you identified there was yeah. something inside of you that you needed to evaluate and shift. Yeah. And um, so I appreciate that about you, being yeah. willing to be introspective, because I think all of us have the responsibility to do that. Yeah. So that's great. Jay, what about you, man? And you're predominantly grew up in the southern states, South Carolina, I think some in Florida. I can't remember the deets, but somewhere along there. But share some of your experiences. Uh, well, first, I want to thank you guys for being bold enough and having enough faith to have this setting. It's very important. Shouts out to Moving Church as well. You guys are awesome. Um, but I, I grew up, I was born and raised in South Carolina, the, the heart of the South, so to speak. And uh, I, a few occasions, um, one in particular, I was a preteen. And if anybody, I'm 40 years old, so anybody 40 and older, you probably can relate. It wasn't a cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't no games. I think we may have had Atari for every 10th house. Yeah. Right? One button. Can I go over yeah. to John's house, please? And then you 20 people there, so you can't play. You got to wait your turn. <laughs> right. So the alternative was what? Going outside and playing in the woods. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Bring it back. Any wood people? No, I'm yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> Growing up as a kid uh, in the South, seriously, that's what we did. We went in the woods and we played, right? And so we lived in a rural area at the time. Um, my dad was a, a contractor. My mom, she was a school teacher. Um, and so we, we kind of lived out. And there was an area in which we didn't know. You know, we just knew it was a man that lived there or whatever. Long story short, me and my, my friends were out playing, and, and one day um, he used a derogatory comment and went and got his shotgun and started shooting at us. Mm. Yeah. And so, of course, we ran. Yeah. And But one thing he didn't do, he scared us, but we went on the other side of the woods to play from there on out, so we didn't go on his side of the woods, <laughs> so to speak. But that was one. And, you know, growing up as a kid, things like that you don't understand. But kids have a, such a, uh, which all of us have experienced being a child, we can compartmentalize very quickly and very well. And so that just sat inside me for years to the point where I really didn't understand. And then there were some other occasions that took place. So that's one of the you know, instances as to where I experienced racism. Didn't know it, but at the time, you know, hindsight, of course, um, kind of really disturbed me growing up. And to some other things that you know, kind of spiraled into um, be, even being in school, being uh, having a kid call you out your name, so to speak, and whatever happened happened. <laughs> From there, mm -hmm. here's Use the cool thing, right? <laughs> so we're in the principal's office, right? And of course, we're talking, and principal goes out. I'm calling your parents. You guys are suspended. Yada yada yada. We get a chance to have dialogue. You're talking about, I think I may have been in like in the eighth grade or something like that. And we're just talking. And he was like, James, I'm sorry, man. Um, pretty much that's how my family responds to whatever. And I was like, that's cool, but that's not cool. And we talked and he ended up being my best friend. Wow. And I say all that to say this, that the opportunity to talk about what's going on is just as important wow. as trying to find the remedy for it wow. or that's ignoring great. it. Yeah. That's great. So that's great. Yeah, that's great. I just it's always mind blowing to me when you, you hear other people's stories that are, are not the same story that you had growing up. 
And I, I just get scared to think that so often we place people in the category of our own experience. And, and that throws up a wall of segregation regardless of your race. And uh, I'm just so grateful for you sharing that. What about you, Philip? What have you experienced? Uh... <laughs> well, um, I want to admit to you that I'm a white guy. <laughs> and um, I did Ancestry.com and it's without a doubt. Um, but yeah, I pastor a church with, that's extremely diverse, not only ethnically, but generationally. And um, I'm describing that because um, that's the context of my life. My, it reflects my friendships. It reflects our leadership team. It's just part of what's normal. And um, so um, I, I have some of my friends there in church that I noticed the people of color shake hands with each other one way, but when I come, they just give me the white man's <laughs> thing. And, I was just like, hey, you just white man me right there. <laughs> of course, I can't really follow all of it anyway, but, but seriously, um, the, the racism that, that I would experience would probably be because of what my friends tell me that mm. they experience or what mm. people in our church. So we're, I'm listening to them, and, and so... Um, it's hearing what they go through and, and just feeling, you know, uh, angry with them about yeah. circumstances. And, but um, I think all of us can see it and experience it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's well, my... Well, I think one of the things that, is, that I love about what's happening at this table uh, is actually one of the reasons that we have a friendship, Jay, is because our daughters have a relationship. And that, that means two things to me. Number one, I think it's important we realize that, that things are changing. Yeah. We're not where we need to be, but there's still hope. Amen? Yeah. I think that we've got to remind ourselves that there's still hope. But I, I think part of the prerogative we have is not just for us, but for the generation that comes behind us, that's, that's following, that's watching. And so, Jay, look, what are some concerns that you have about what your children may face? You know, it's... it's uh good that you pinpoint exactly how racism continues yeah. in its generation to generation. Yeah. Racism is a learned behavior. Yeah. I don't know if many people have seen it, um, the uh, uh, infomercial or whatever, when you have a, a group of kids, young kids, uh, uh, sitting around and they're playing with each other. Every race, every creed, every color, and they're just playing, then this, then the third, and then at the end of the day, they, at the end of the infomercial, they just show that it is a learned behavior. Mm. Huh. And so it is important that we identify wow. the generational curse that is across the board, wow. yeah. right? And so it's important that me and my wife, um, we instill into our children the importance of who they are. Mm. Number one, you are black, African-American of color, which by the way, <laughs> That's all the little, little last piece. I missed that right? we, we, uh, one more time. Ho, ho, ho. One more. My man. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, since I moved to California, I have never seen so many handshakes in my life. You guys have at least five. I got three down pack. But back, you know, with, with our kids, we teach them the importance of who they are, understanding yeah. that you're not oblivious to who you are. You're black. Yeah. All right? And so the awareness of that 
understanding what they're taught, understanding who they are, understand who has them. Because the premise is the word of God. The premise is love. Yes. You know, uh, we share certain things as far as how the upbringing of me and my wife. And it wasn't all pretty. It, it was what it was. But they understand where they come from and understand, okay, if you put yourself in a certain situation, those are the results that are going to come about. Yeah. Right. And not being afraid to own up to what's going on. Mm. Be open to other cultures. Speak about it. You talk about Brooklyn which I adopted her as, as my niece from day one. <laughs> day one. I didn't know her from nothing. Jayla was like, hey, so uh, Brooklyn's mom and dad, they passed her, and yeah. She left it just like that. She honestly left it just like that. And it's been good ever since. But like you said, what brought us together, you would think that we knew somebody in ministry or whatever. Yeah. Not at all. It was them attending school, becoming friends in, in the performing arts and theater, and then here we are. So it's important, you know, with the kids, I have a very great, and all parents listen to me, you have a responsibility. Yeah, wow. right. We talked about seeds real briefly, the invisible seeds from the nine o'clock service, but if you hold your hand out and if you look, imagine that there's a seed in your hand, and what you plant, you're going to reap. Yeah, that's good. So if you plant ignorance... Mm. Ignorance is going to come about. If you plant segregation, yeah. well, I don't understand it, so I have no responsibility wow. to remember. It's your fault. Hmm. You know what's going on. We can go on and on all day about everything that's going on with, with, within our culture, within our, our, our communities, within uh, America, all races, what's going on with Border Patrol and everything else, the, the senseless shootings and all of that. It hasn't stopped. And it's because we fail to identify the generation. So if we can have more parents, God-fearing parents, not just God-fearing parents, but Holy Spirit-filled parents yeah. with a conviction to spread the love of God, Come on. it'll be greater than inclusion. It'll be demonstration. Wow, that's great. That's great. That's awesome. Maribel, what about you? Tell me, the, you've got two younger kids, and there's so much of a runway ahead of them. So what are the things that you're concerned that they might face? Uh, I was at Target last week on a Thursday night and in front of us was a black woman and my son is three years old and she, he asked me, mom, why is she brown? And I said, because everybody, God makes us in different colors, but we are all the same people. Come on. And he looks at me, he's like, okay, mommy. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Uh, but I think my greatest concern is for us not to teach to teach him to to be silent mm. yeah. i want to teach him that he needs to rise up and speak his mind yeah, and his on. voice when yeah. he sees um, discrimination yeah. or yeah. racism i i want to teach my son that he needs to stand up yeah. and not to stay silent because even staying silent is agreeing mm. yeah with that which is happening in the world. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's such a profound statement, Maribel, and even one that I was convicted of as a pastor, just thinking, I actually had a friend call me out and, you know, hey, are you going to mention this? Are you going to talk about it? Are you going to pray for this? I said, man, I don't know what to say. He goes, well, just realize that your silence is saying more than you think it's saying. Wow. And I was like, man, I, I, had, I hadn't even thought of it because I was so, I, I had become polarized or paralyzed by not knowing what to say. And I love that you said that to teach your son that he has a voice. That's right. 
And, and that if you see an injustice, if, if you see discrimination, if you see this, that we have a, a prerogative to do something. And I think that's invaluable. Pastor Philip, what about you? you? Not only do you have kids, but you also have grandkids now. And uh, what is it you're, you're concerned that, that your grandkids might face? Um, yeah, I, I think what I'm concerned about is that the racial, as others have said, the r- racial views are perpetuated from generation yeah. to generation. And so um, I, I was, uh, grew up in South Carolina for four or five years as a young kid. And I was probably a racist and didn't know it, you know, because yeah. it was just like, this is how it is. Mm. Wow. And so when we moved to L.A., and, I, and that, at that time I'm getting a little older and looking and getting my own decisions, just think, wow, that's, you know, some of the things I remembered or hearing was like, that's not right. And, mm. um, but uh, Martin Luther King is kind of a hero to me in his uh, civil rights message sure. and the impact he's made and the, what, what he represents to so many of us. And yet, remember his I Got a Dream speech, he was like, one day my children mm. will be judged not by the color of their skin. Yeah. And here we are yeah. four generations later, yeah. and it you feels sometimes like worse. Mm. But um, yeah. so I agree with what Jay was saying is that we teach our kids um, and it gets passed on to them. Yeah. And so um, I just would fear that my kids, when they're 40, they're still dealing yeah. with the same thing. And so I think it's some of what we're trying to do here and what yeah. many gatherings are about, trying to understand and listen and honor each yeah. other. And, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, were you going to say something, babe? I can say it whenever. Go for it now. <laughs> I... Uh, I love this conversation and just listening to everyone's perspective because I think sometimes that we, uh, especially, I'm going to just say me, me as, as just a white girl, I think that sometimes I shy away from conversations because mm. I don't, and, and Pastor Carrie alluded to this, it's like I don't know exactly what to say and I feel a little bit awkward, like I might say something wrong and so rather than say something wrong, I don't <clears throat> say anything at all. And then that's, that doesn't work either. Mm. And so I, I was having a conversation, I shared this with First Service, um, I was having a conversation with a good friend of ours who happens to be one of the key leaders at Pastor Phillips Church, his name is Julian, and, and I was telling him a story and referencing a friend of mine and, and I was trying to describe this friend of mine and I described them as African-American and he said, now hold up, Megan. He's like, you do not have any black friends if you're going to say African-American. Like, you just say black. And I was like, I didn't know. Like, yeah. I literally didn't yeah. know. And so I felt awkward asking. And, and so what he was teaching me was, hey, just ask. Wow. Ask Ask, what do you prefer? What do you like? How, what is it like to walk in your shoes? How do you yeah, feel about this great. particular situation? And, and it just helped me be aware that I, I don't have the right to shy away from something because I feel awkward mm. or like I don't know what to do or what to say. I actually, this whole series is about engaging in conversations, yeah, right? right? Embracing yeah. differences. And you can't do that without conversation. Yeah. So just wanted to encourage you with that and, and help everybody breathe a little bit. Like it's okay to have awkward conversations. Yeah. yeah. I would like to say that one of the things that we have to realize is that no black person speaks for all black people. <laughs> no Latino speaks for all Latino. No white person. Come on. That's and great. it's like no pastors speak for all pastors. Yeah. Like yeah. we kind of give general uh, assumptions to this is the way husbands are and this is the way wives are, but sure. we're all so different. Yeah. So um, it, it's, it means that you have to ask and yeah. listen. Like, That's great. And so that person's experience 
uh, is their experience, and mm. it gives you some insight, but you might meet somebody of similar ethnicity or color that has a whole different view. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's turn the tide for a minute. And we talked about concerns. We talked about experience. But what do you think is going to pull us together closer? And Jay, I'm going to come to you first. If we have an opportunity to make a change, what's going to pull us together, uh, closer together on, on the issues of race? I think first and foremost, um, I, I come from the, I'll come from the example of this. In order to build a house, the main thing that has to be intact first is the foundation. Yeah. So we have to get back to the foundational things, right? Yeah. And I don't have my Bible per se, but it's on my phone. And so if we go to, let's just Acts 17 and 26. In Genesis, it started with Adam and Eve, the father and the mother of all people. God teaches us in scripture that the human race is one. Come on. From one man, God made every nation of the human race that they should inhabit the whole earth. Mm. You know, and it is so funny how most people say, well, why would God put us in this situation and, and put all of us together if he knew that we were going to be like this? Uh, because he's God. Mm. <laughs> and because at the end of the day, he is the only cure. Mm. So the question then comes, okay, well, if we're talking about a spiritual being, then where does that spiritual being lie within us? Mm. So on today, we're, we're honestly the cure. We know the statement, we know the phrase that you are the only God that somebody's ever going to meet, right? So we're waiting for God alone himself to come and shine light and say, take it all away. Not yet. We haven't screwed up the earth enough, right? <laughs> So it starts with us. So it's the foundational thing. Our responsibility as the church, and I'm not talking about where we reside now, the edifice itself, as the re responsibility of the church myself, right? It is our responsibility. Yeah. yeah, that's great. The body of Christ, it's our responsibility. So we rely on the church itself, the leaders, the heads to say, okay, well, what do we do? When was the last time you checked the church on within? Come on, that's great. Right? So we have to look from that standpoint, making sure that understanding statistics, statistics have proven, excuse me, that we, the church, are the most segregated yep. institution in the world. Yeah. But yet we serve a true and living God. We serve a God of love. How is it that you can, and I'm paraphrasing, how is it that you can serve and love a God that you can't see? But you cannot speak, smile, say hello to the person that you see every day. Wow, wow. So it starts with the foundation. We have to get back to grassroots forums like this. Mm. If we are the body of Christ, if we serve the God of love, the God of peace, the God of joy, the God of long suffering, all of these great examples, right? Yeah. How is it that we can do that? But we cannot say, hey. Help me understand. Yeah, that's great. Why is it that you can't shake my hand? It's <laughs> <laughs> my buddy right here, man. You know what I mean? Why is it that I, I can't, we can't talk about real human issues without it becoming political? You want to know why? Because human nature is to blame the next man. Mm. That's great. That's true. Just say, you know what? I don't want to deal with it. Mm. I didn't come from it, so it's not my reality. 
And that's vice versa, whether you're downtown LA or whether you're here in South Orange County. I grew up from both sides of the track, so I understand and I know. And it can be difficult, but you have to. You have a voice. It's not just a black thing. It's not just a Latino thing. It's not just a white thing. It's a people thing. That's great. That's great. And and just to touch on what you were saying on, I think one of the things, if you know me, you know that I'm passionate. A little intense, I might say. (laughs) Ask my husband. Um, But I think what I discovered and I self-reflected that I became so passionate about my political affiliation Mm. that it became an idol in Mm. my life. Mm. So much so that that's how I I identified myself. But no, I am a child of God first and foremost. I am belong to the kingdom of God. Come on. And that's how I it totally shifted my perspective that I've been operating in 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 a way that it's not correct. And thank God for that that he's able to to speak to me firmly so I can come out of whatever that was that I was doing. Hmm. That's so good, Maribel. Well, tell me this, what what for you is going to bring us together on 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 racial issues? I think one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, it's in Corinthians, where he talks about that we're the body of Christ. Mm. You know, you're the head, I, I'm the hands, Pastor Philip, you're the arms. We all yeah. are the body of Christ. And if one of the body parts is not okay, we're not all yeah, okay. That's yeah, that's right, yeah. And operating from a we perspective versus me, I, I was operating from the me. Mm. Yeah. What's in it for me? But no, God's calling us what's in us for others. Mm. And that was really uh, powerful for me to like, it expands your view yeah. of, of living, your way of life. So yeah. good. That's great. Yeah. What about you, Pastor Philip? What's going to bring us together? Well, I think uh, one of the reasons it, it feels so polarizing now is because people are so quick to blame. Mm. Like, I know what you were thinking. I know why you did this. This group of people needs to do that. And, this, and that only drives more separation. Mm. And so I think it has to do with asking sincerely, yeah. like wanting to know. Mm. Like I learned, I mean, I hope I don't sound like I know all this stuff about racial uh, sociology because I'm still learning. Mm. And I'm, I, even as a pastor... It's like, look, I'm going to bring this up and we're going to pray. I might get it wrong, but give me a break here. I'm trying. And, um, but it's, it's trying to understand. And so um, right after the uh, Dallas shootings, that it was sort of like s- several of those uh, with young black men being shot. And this was sort of an uh, eruption of all those piling up. And, and so the next Sunday, Julian, who um, is a black guy in, our, in my life, a, like a son in the faith. So we got up there with Christina, his wife, and Holly, mine. And I just said, so how are you taking this? You know, what do you think? I, I said, I don't know what it's like to think about having to tell my son. Now, remember, if you get pulled over by a policeman, make sure you put your hands here and here and don't move. Until, like, I never had that. Uh, and so... He talked about, so I'm listening to learn because I don't know. Yeah. And, and really caring how somebody, it's like feeling someone else's pain. Yeah. And so um, 
uh, I asked, uh, I heard several uh, pastors that were big name pastors who are black and friends of mine, and some out of reaction would say, white pastors need to step up and say something. Mm. And so I said, well, what is it that you want them to say? Mm. Because a lot of white pastors won't say anything because they're afraid yeah. of messing it up yeah. or thinking they're going to get it right or help and it gets worse. And, and so they said, well, just saying that you feel the pain and that you recognize it and it, it angers you, that empathy. Mm. And I said, well, well, that's what you need to tell white pastors <laughs> to do. They don't tell you to speak up. It's just like, and so uh, even with the, at the South Carolina event that took place, where, was hot, then on Sunday, I said, this is terrible. The violence should stop. Uh, the hatred that we have is wrong. And I'm so frustrated about it. I don't have a lot of answers, but let's pray together. After the service, um, you know, I had seven or eight people come up after people of color and go, thank you so much for saying what you did. And when I think about it, I didn't say really anything other than this stinks, you know, let's pray. And that is a huge comment. It's like wanting to connect um, and the seeing ourselves as brothers and sisters. Yeah. So it's, it's not like um, we're um, separated by skin color, but we're joined together, wow. yeah. the family by faith. Um, so, um, yep. Um, that's good. Go ahead, Jay. I just want to add one other, just to uh, continue on what he was saying. It's important that, um, again, and, I, you know, most people say that just to whatever, but very special uh, thank you to you two guys and the Movement Church for accepting this. Uh, I've, I've been in the faith for a while. I've seen the good, bad, and the ugly, and I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have as well. There are not too many, and I'll say this, there are not too many pastors and leaders of the faith that are bold enough to say, congregation, we're going to sit down. We're not oblivious to the fact, yeah, we know God moves, he heals, he delivers, but there is a reality, watch this, that needs a greater revelation. The revelation that's taking place in here on today, it cannot stop here. The discussion is good. Talking is good. Relating is great. But at the end of the day, the whole purpose of Christ, our Savior coming, is for us to demonstrate yeah. mm -hmm. the faith. Amen. Not just talk about it, but demonstrate the faith. Now, we understand we have a bottom line. Bottom line today is we're talking about discrimination and racism. Do you have enough faith in you? A lot of people are bold, but they don't have faith. Keeping it real, a lot of people keep it real. They, no, they're not keeping it real. They're just a loud mouth. They like to be heard. <laughs> Truth be told, and that's all across the board, black, blue, orange. It doesn't matter. <laughs> people just want to be heard. So that don't mean you're keeping it real because even though it's the truth, you can speak the truth out of turn. Yeah, but today, this truth is relevant, and it's now. So today, it's no longer a reality of what we see. But it is a revelation of what we believe. It's good. And we believe and we know that Jesus Christ has the final say so. It's not a religious talk. It is the truth. You're living proof. I'm living proof. My man. <laughs> We're all living proof. So I want to encourage everybody on today. Listen, 
the talk is good, we must continue this. And I encourage, I don't know how far this is going to travel, but pastors, let's get up off our high horse. It started with the church. You got to come back to the church. Right? It's not about the congregation and how many numbers are, but if you are, if God has given you the masses, make sure they reach That's the good. one. That's right. That's good. That's good. And again, I, I thank you, Moving Church, and I thank you, Pastors Carrie. Carrie and Megan. We so appreciate your voice. I don't have a lot to say to follow what you just said, except that I just I want to challenge us as a church because I think ultimately what, what everyone has shared is this comes back to us as a church, yeah. being willing to engage in conversations, being willing to be a place that uh, where, where anybody can walk through the doors and feel welcome and seen and known. And, you know, the series is all about embracing our differences and celebrating our strengths, but that requires action. It's something we actually, we have to walk it out. And we talked about the scripture how the Bible talks about the greatest commandment being love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. But the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And who is my neighbor? My neighbor is anyone. (laughs) It's anyone. And no matter the color of their skin, male, female, young, old, my neighbor is anyone. And if that's the second greatest commandment, the thing that God is saying that he values the most, then we have a responsibility to engage in some conversations because to love my neighbor means that I'm actually I'm actually willing to listen and I'm willing to, to lean in and to ask questions more than make assumptions and, and to find out their story and, and what it's like to walk in their shoes. That's what it is to love my neighbor. It's not to quickly judge or develop an offense or you know, deal with jealousy and comparison. We talked about that last week. It's, it's literally to stop and slow down the whole process and go, what do I need to understand differently? And, and just being willing to listen. So I wanna, I wanna challenge us as a church that this is who we are. And, and I really believe that the Movement Church is going to, uh, is really gonna make such an impact in South Orange County. Because I don't feel that we have this conversation enough where we live. And so I, I'm excited to see where this takes us. That's good. You know, I, I, uh, I want to encourage you as we come to a close today that uh, there are real racist issues. Discrimination is taking place. We've got to make a change. But we are not walking through this life without hope. Yeah, that's right. And I, need you, I want you to know that the church is the hope of the world. You are a part of the solution. So, and listen, we don't need any more doomsdayers and naysayers. There's enough. We need people who are going to put courage in. We need people who are going to put hope in. We need people who are going to listen and say, I don't have the full perspective. I don't know all the answers. I don't even know everything to do, but I can listen. And then I'm going to walk with you through this. If you're in pain, I'm in pain. If you're struggling, I'm struggling. And we're going to figure this thing out. Why? Because Jesus is still seated on the throne, which means that greater is he that's with us than he that's against us, right? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Are you tracking with me? So let's be the people who put courage in. And let's be the people who say, I I, I don't have the answers, but I'm willing to be a part of the solution. Amen? Come on, help me in saying thank you to our panel. You guys may be seated. Come on, like you mean it, church. So grateful for all of what you shared in your heart.
We're almost finished with our service today. I, I just want to take a minute before we go any further and conclude our service like we do every single service for the history of the movement church. I want to give you an opportunity to begin the journey with Jesus. The reason we celebrate Jesus is because he stretched across every racial divide. He stretched across every relational barrier, even the relational barriers that we put up against God. When we say, I don't know if I can trust you, God. I don't know if you're really there or not. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20 that regardless of our past, regardless of our ethnicity, our upbringing, our socioeconomic status, that he's standing at the door of our heart knocking, just saying, hey, let me be part of your life. Life won't be perfect, but I'll walk with you through everything. I'll be with you in the thick and the thin. I'll show you how to live and what life can really be like. But here's the thing about God. He never forces himself on us. It's always an option to us. So he stands there at the door of our heart, knock and say, man, let me be a part of your life. And all we have to do is simply open the door and say, okay, God, it's yours. You don't have to fix your past. You don't have to be a member of the movement, church. You just say yes to him. And there's some of you in this room who have never begun that journey, and that's the reason you're here. And look at me in the eyes for a moment. There are some of you in this room who may have begun a journey like this weeks, months, or years ago, but you've been running from God, and today is your day to stop running. The good thing about God is you don't even have to run back yet. He's right there waiting. Just stop running from it. So in a moment, what I like to call a holy moment. I'm gonna give you a chance right where you're seated with no embarrassment. I'm not gonna ask you to get out of your seat, but to have a holy moment between you and God and begin this journey with him for the first time or the first time in a long time. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you know that's you, you you've gotta begin this journey. It's time to start. You tried it on your own and you're done. Today is the day to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm saying yes to you. Or if you're here and you've been running from God, today's the day to stop running and just say yes to him. Whether you're in this room, in the family room, listening online, I just want to challenge you. Let me give you the words to say, maybe in a small whisper or the quietness of your own heart. Just make these words your own. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me and you've given me purpose. Now, I'm not perfect, God, so would you forgive me? And then make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. God, we just thank you that you're in this place. And God, even though the conversation at this table is over, we're committed to keeping this conversation going to understanding and to learning and to growing and, and discovering how we can be open to what it is that people are walking through so that we can be filled with compassion. God, to be the body of Christ, to be a church that says no matter what you're walking through, you're not alone. We're in this with you. So God, I pray you would do that in us in me, God, that it would start with me and then begin to trickle out into all the relationships and the friendships that I have, God, that we can be a part of the solution and not just a part of the problem. So I thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, which means I agree. Come on, one time help me to church. Let's give God a hand clap. Are you grateful for that panel? 
I'm inspired. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.